All right, good day and welcome into Better's Last Stand here from the Pine Room Studios here downtown in Wheeling, West Virginia. Matt here with you. Flying solo again today, that's okay. Chris and Coach have bocce. Luke has uh, post one baseball. Cooley is in uh, the most dangerous country in the world. Uh, not North Korea, but uh, anyway, uh, I'm going to try to hold it down for us here. And uh, we had a great week last week as far as our picks go, so hopefully we keep that going again. We'll have Sam coming up in the third segment of the program to talk about all things sports, but uh, with a concentration on uh, racing. We uh, have no F1 race this week, but we're back on the IndyCar circuit as they go up to Toronto. So we got NASCAR and IndyCar uh, on a Sunday afternoon here in July, it's hard to believe uh, we're at the MLB All-Star break already. The All-Star game last night, the National League finally snaps their losing streak of nine seasons and wins the game 3-2. to two. So NL and under. Cash the ticket. Uh, you heard it on the podcast last week. Uh, Georgie the Champ Kettlewell gives out the winner's He had no run in the first inning. He had National League, and he had under. So he swept the board. Uh, If you tune into the podcast last that we had, uh, which would have been yesterday, you would have heard uh, George give that great analysis live on the air. Uh, So... He, uh, he gave us some winners. Uh, I had a pretty good week. We had a winner in golf again with Sepp Straka, so that's two weeks in a row. We've had the winner in the golf event, 50-1 uh, to 1 for Sepp Straka, so a nice uh, nice win there. We had Ricky Fowler the week before that. We were up over 50 units last week, so uh, actually over 40 as a group. Uh, I myself was up around 51. Sam Sam had a lot of bad breaks in the races. Uh, I did too. I did not do very good in racing. If you watch that race from uh, Atlanta last Sunday evening, Rain-shortened uh, race, it kind of uh, threw things upside down there during the uh, the late in the race. There was a lot of strategies and things that were going on that came into account that we weren't really expecting to uh, show themselves, but uh, the uh, race went off with William Byron winning, so we'll talk more about that later in the program, but uh, it wasn't a normal top five um finishing order. A lot of guys up there that maybe shouldn't have. William Byron had some trouble early in the race. He's He's an extremely good driver, so I don't think it was anything that he, uh, you know, not selling him short. I mean, uh, he he actually had trouble and then benefited from uh, a late caution and some guys pitted and so forth. So talk about that with Sam late in, later in the show in, in segment number three. But overall, we had a really strong week with our betters last stand picks, and be sure to check those out on BLS underscore PRP on the Twitter or at the Pine Room Studios or at the Pioneer Podcast on Twitter. So we got those posted pretty much everywhere across our social media platforms. So be sure, check them out. Start piggybacking them. We're trying to stay hot. Hopefully we can. Um, we, uh, like I said, we were up, I was up over 51 units last week, uh, mostly because of Sepp Straka. But uh, we had some losers in racing. AFL, if, you like, if you're liking that, we were 10-5. and five. We were 2-1 and one in the CFL, but uh, horrible in uh, in the big three basketball and then racing just didn't really go our way either. We had a couple of okay uh, winners there, but overall a loser. Um, tennis was going very well. We still have uh, Novak Djokovic. Uh, we had uh, Elena Rabakina, and she went down today. She was winning the. She won the first set. She's uh, on serve in the second, and then things kind of came off the rails for her, and, and normally she uh, is able to rally and, and pick herself up and never really count her out, but today she just didn't She just didn't have it at the very end. Uh, Ange Jabor took it to her, 
And uh, it was just a really good tennis match. There was some incredible shot making in that uh, Wimbledon quarterfinal. So we lost Rabakina. We still got the Joker left. Uh, our quarters were pretty strong. We, we had some good runs. Uh, some Gave out some picks um, last week on Twitter and social media throughout the uh, the week. We were uh, five units up uh, in uh, tennis, I believe. So not, not bad. So solid week. Um, again, Wimbledon winding down right now. We're going to talk about that. Here in a couple of minutes, uh, let's just go back to the All-Star game last night. 3-2, National League, the final. Uh, the night before, Vlad Guerrero wins the home run derby at plus 340, knocking out Randy Rosarena was a play that I liked. I had a Rosarena to go to the final. I uh, didn't quite get it done. At least he cashed a couple of tickets there with his total over 28.5 total home runs, which he almost did in the first round. So that was good. Just needed to get him into the second round for that ticket to cash. So good one there. Uh, Elias Diaz, 65-1 to to win the MVP. He hits last night with a two-run home run late. Uh, the under, 13-1-2 in the last 16. I know Coach was on the over, gave that out on our radio show. So be sure in your check us out on the radio um the watchdognetwork.com you can listen to our stream they actually are upgrading our stream the last couple of days so hopefully when we're on the air um well the time you listen to this next week we'll uh, have the stream up and going and we got some really good guests we have uh brenda from horrifying history which will be tomorrow our time so you can go back and archive that we're going to put it into the podcast for this coming week uh she joins us uh for an hour on thursday so we're really looking forward to talking to her about uh, Charles Manson and some other really interesting things uh, that she brings to the table on her podcast. And if you haven't checked it out, I highly urge you, if you enjoy uh, history and uh, outlandish type things and stories, uh, it's a really, really good listen. So um, pop it on. Uh, offseason update in uh, college football, making news. Uh, Pat Fitzgerald fired for no- for Northwestern after this uh, alleged alleged hazing scandal um a lot of details still yet to come out yet it sounds like he may have been uh victimized by the uh a disgruntled player so i I, i'm i'm a little bit concerned about this hopefully it doesn't set a precedent but uh nonetheless from a betting standpoint uh uh, north i can say notre dame northwestern uh is probably going to be fade material as uh the assistant coaches are taking over you can't possibly think they didn't know about it you're going to say pat fitzgerald it was his responsibility to know because he was the head coach well i can tell you from past experience a lot of times the assistant coaches know more than the head coach when it comes to things like this so um, hard to promote an assistant coach to, to a role of head coach when he probably um, had more culpability in it than the actual head coach. But nonetheless, Northwestern will be serious fade material there. Win total right now, I believe, is three and a half. And uh, it was probably going to be a stretch for them to get over that anyway. But uh, now the program upside down, uh, you're probably going to see people leaving um yes right now three and a half um the under is now even money so if you can get even money on that i'd be jumping on that right now highly recommend that play i think that the whenever you lose a coach this late in the season you can't get rid of the whole staff things are just not going to go well for northwestern this year so uh sadly so um thought pat for was a pretty decent guy i still think he is I, i'm not going to blame him for the the actions of others and uh you know i don't think this is a joe paterno situation now that called for uh, firing and termination in Penn State sat on it and, and had the worst scandal in the history of sports. But that's for another day. Um, college basketball, Bob Huggins uh, in the news again trying to get his job back. I don't know what's going to happen there. He's uh, I, I don't really understand why he's trying to lie or his way out of uh, saying he didn't resign. But uh, 
If he didn't write that letter, then that's interesting. So he should explain a little bit more, but don't treat us like fools. I mean, if you want to say on the legal counsel, you're seeking to get your job back because the university misrepresented something to you, then I totally understand that. Go after them, take them down, do whatever you need to do. But uh, don't tell us you didn't resign. I mean, that seems hard to believe. You got a, a signed letter that everybody on the internet has out there. So... Mountaineer basketball, I think, will be uh, you know in trouble possibly this year too, and they could be absolute fade material um, as as we get closer to college basketball. But that's not really a time to talk about that. NFL will be cranking up here soon. Don't have a whole lot to share from the NFL. It was a pretty quiet week um, as far as any anybody that's been signed or anything along those lines. So we'll be uh, cranking it back up when Coach and uh, Luke or Chris or whoever comes back on the show here once their summer starts to settle down a little bit and uh, we get the uh, the – I mean, we're really about a month away from the Hall of Fame game, or a little bit less. So, it will not it will not be long now, unfortunately. Um, but um, we we I guess most people look forward to the NFL, and uh, you know it's it's quite entertaining. So, we'll uh, we'll continue to monitor anything that comes up in the NFL. I, I want to I gave out those three best bets a couple of weeks ago. If you haven't heard those, check them out. They were the Ravens over, the Texans on oh Texans over, and the Packers under. So. Um, yeah, go jump on those while you can. I still think the Ravens are a tremendous bet um, to, to win the division, to be over their win total. I think they're going to be very good. Um, and I don't understand all the love for the uh, Bengals and even the Steelers. I think the Browns will be a lot better. They should be. Uh, Deshaun Watson with another year and uh, getting back in the sink. He actually gets to play the whole year, so that's good. So I think the Browns and the Ravens are the teams to beat in the AFC North. Um, hockey-wise, Penguins still in talks to try to get Eric Carlson from the San Jose Sharks. It would be a really, really big trade for the Penguins. I'm not saying it's going to make them be a Stanley Cup team, but they'll probably be a playoff team. They're going to score some goals. Their power play is going to be better. Um, I don't know what they'll have to give up, but uh, I think it's worth the rolling the dice. you got an old core. If you're going to try to win one last time, you, uh, you need a guy like that because he instantly makes you have uh, two world-class defensemen on your blue line and, and a world-class power play producer, a guy who produces more points than most forwards. Um, you'd be a fool not to try to try to get him if you can get him for uh, something that's not going to cost you in the immediate future. So uh, I'm fine with that if they decide to do it. It sounds like it's between them and the Hurricanes, so we'll keep you posted on that as far as uh, from a betting standpoint. I think the Penguins will take a big spike. If you think that you like the Penguins right now, you may want to jump on them. If it's a bet you're interested in making, um, try to bet it before they get Carlson because their odds are going to take a severe uh, drop uh, as far as return price once uh, that trade would be uh, finalized. Carlson makes them an instant contender to probably win the Metropolitan Division uh, despite bringing back Tristan Jari, which Sam and I talked about last week, our displeasure with that, um, just not not really a smart move by the Penguins. But it looks like the Penguins could be an over team, making an early assumption here. Uh, although they maybe improved a, a little bit with Graves on the back end, they get rid of Dumoulin. They get Carlson. He's not the greatest defensive defenseman. So um, you figure a lot of goals, you figure their power play will be significantly better. So power play points, which is something that I really, really like to bet. You get great prices on those. Those will be in play heavily come October when we talk more NHL and we talk more Penguins. Okay, so let's shift over. We talked MLB. We talked about the offseason real quick about uh, MLB. Um, All-star break. Obviously, we don't have much to talk about. Friday, they start back up for the the, uh, rest of the season. Um, Some teams that are hanging on the cusp of contention. Um, 
We'll see in the next few weeks if they're if they're going to make a, a big enough run. You got the Cardinals way out of it. Do they do anything, or are they are they sellers? The Mets who played a little bit better down the stretch. The Padres who won two against the Mets uh, right before the All Star break. I still think out of these teams who are out of or have not played well, the Yankees, the Mets, the Padres, the Cardinals. I think the Padres are probably most built to be able to have a decent second half run. Their pitching is stabilized now with Darvish. Musgrove and uh, Blake Snell, so they've all been throwing pretty well. Their their bullpen is very good. They got Hater at the back end. Their lineup should be performing better. And if their buyers, if they can stay in it and and buy and add a piece, maybe one more bat, maybe somebody that just needs they need to get a spark. Um, I think the Potters are going to be live. I, I don't love the manager Bob Melvin at all. I think he's just terrible. Um, but I think the Padres are one little jolt of momentum away from going on a nice run. And they're only eight games out, and they don't have to win that division. Um, no one, no second team from the Central is getting in. In the AL East, the Braves have such a mammoth lead. You're basically playing against the rest of the AL East uh, and your AL West teams. Your AL West right now looks like the best division top to bottom in the National League. Outside of the Rockies, every one of those teams is in playoff contention right now. So... Keep an eye on the Padres. Uh, they're a team that I've been kind of high on the last couple of years. I've been disappointed with them. Uh, but they did win a series last year. They beat the Dodgers in the playoffs, so they can do it again. I think they're a team you don't want to play in the playoffs. Uh, I have no fear of the Mets. I think the Mets are just terrible. Um, unless Verlander and Scherzer come back to their five years ago form very quickly. The Mets lineup stinks. It's just not good enough to win. Their bullpen is an absolute atrocity. The Cardinals, great infield. Um up and down outfield pitching staff's been their biggest problem. They're inconsistent starting. Um, they have one great start, then five bad. Bullpen's not good enough. So um, I expect them maybe to be sellers um, in that division. I think Cincinnati and Milwaukee are the teams to beat there. Atlanta's running away in the East, no question about it. The Dodgers will probably win the West. Diamondbacks show some signs of fatigue, but the Giants. Always a competitive team, and the Padres, I think, are all in the mix. So four teams out of the West. National or American League, uh, Cleveland, I think, will end up winning the Central just because of their stability in their franchise. But they're not very good at the plate. I uh, doubt they add much. They never really ever do. Um, not a believer in Minnesota. Texas Rangers showed some some signs of vulnerability. Um, their hitters last night didn't do much in the All-Star game, which is a concern. I, Marcus Simeon, top of that lineup, his stats are kind of fake. He's he's not nearly as good as his stats indicate. He's a guy that would worry me in the playoffs. I, I'd have him hit ninth instead of first. He's uh, he's a choker. He's a loser, basically. So that worries me with the Rangers. I think they got a pretty good team otherwise. And if they add a couple pieces, um, they had a great draft over the weekend. Got a really good player at the number four pick, which is hard to believe with a team that good uh, picking fourth. Pirates. Uh, get Paul Skeens, which is a good pick for them. That's one of the first times we'll talk about that with Sam uh, in, in the third part of the show. But Pirates actually did something good for once. Uh, I don't think they'll stay in contention. I think they should be sellers. I think they should trade Mitch Keller. I think they should trade David Bednar. Uh, I know uh, that'll be unpopular. I think they should move uh, Sawinski, Santana, anybody that wants to take any of their catchers other than the, the two young guys. Uh, any veteran on that team should be, should be getting moved. Rich Hill should go. And then you're all in for the next two years. As uh, Bob Nunning came out and said, he expects them to be a playoff team next year and to go further in 25. So that's the way I think, too. I think you you got to trade. you got to move a couple pieces. Mitch Keller's not that good. He's uh, he's a number three or four guy. He's being pretended to be a number one. Uh, you got Skeens going to be a number one, hopefully. So 
Um, move these pieces while you can. Get something for them. Even move Kutch. Bring it back next year if you want to. Same with Bednar. Trade him. Get him out of there. Get more stuff back. And then get yourself clear that any bad payroll you have and and make a couple of acquisitions uh, in the offseason. We talk about plenty of this on the WKKX Watchdog Show each week. So check us out Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. A lot of pirate talk. Uh, get callers. Uh, Jarrett gives his insight. And, uh, you know, you, you pretty much have a hand on the pulse. We had Cody Duncan, a pirate beat reporter, on last week to talk about the Buckos. He covered the draft really extensively. And uh, you can find him on uh, Twitter as well. And he does a pretty good job of Letting you know what's going on in Bucko land. Uh, all right, shifting over to tennis right now. As I said, Wimbledon had been going pretty well. We had Novak Djokovic. We had Elena Rabakina, uh, both in contention to win it. Uh, picks that we had given out. But Rabakina goes out today, which is sad. Uh, like I said, on Jabor just play a little better than her in the second and third sets uh, in, a, in a really good match. So uh, Jabor was plus 550 entering that match right now. And then uh, Arena Sabalenka won the other quarterfinal as she took out Madison Keys. Um, she was two plus 210. She's probably going to dip down under $2 right now. But we're bucking out. Sabalenka will probably be the favorite, so she may drop down into almost minus money. She will take on Ange Jabor uh, next. And tomorrow you have... Uh, Vondrasova and Svitolina going each, against each other. Uh, two two underdog, two underdog ladies here. Uh, right now, Vondrasova is a slight favorite, but it's basically a pick 'em. Twenty two and a half on the games. I'm, I'm not really going to give you a pick here because uh, you're not going to hear it in time. But uh, whoever wins that match is going to be a underdog in the final, no matter if Sabalenka or Ange Jabor wins. I like Sabalenka. She's not the greatest grass player, but I'll give her credit. She's gotten a lot better. And she has had a pretty nice path to the semifinals. So I think she uh, probably will get it done. Anjabur came up short last week or last last week, last year against Rabakanu. She uh, beat today. So she lost in the finals to her last year and then beat her today in the quarter. So um, she has a chance, I, I would say. But uh, Sabalenka, if she can get the job done against Jabor on Friday, she will probably win this uh, tournament, I would say. Uh, men's side. Uh, Chris Eubanks gave Medvedev a great run today. Um, I gave an over out on the radio yesterday, so hopefully you were listening to that. Uh, that was an easy over, went five sets. Uh, it was a good good match. Uh, you know, this Eubanks kid from the USA is going to be pretty strong. Uh, Medvedev was 11-1 to 1 entering the match today to win the tournament, uh, and that's only because Alcaraz and Djokovic are still in there. Alcaraz took out Holger Rune in a really close match. I mean, he beat him in three sets, but every set was down to the wire, including a tiebreaker in the first one. So you got Alcaraz will face against, uh, let's see, Alcaraz, I believe he may play Medvedev. I don't have it written down right here. But, uh, yes, yeah, it'll be Alcaraz and Medvedev and Djokovic and Yannick Sinner tomorrow. Djokovic will definitely beat Sinner, and then it's going to come down to uh, Medvedev, who's not a great grass player. Alcaraz not a great grass player. Their talent has prevailed to this point. So you got the top three seeds alive in the men's side. Uh, we gave out Djokovic a few weeks ago on here and on social media. He is the guy. I uh, don't see anybody beating him in five sets. It's just too hard to do. He's just stabilized and cut out for this. He rations his energy better than any player in the world in any sport I've ever seen. So he knows exactly when to go and when to hold back. And I think that'll be too much for anybody to overcome. So... Uh, we'll be back in the Joker and probably Sabalenka. So a couple of the favorites there. I don't love doing that. But to me, Joker at the price that he was before the tournament, like minus 120, minus 140 is an insane. Uh, he probably should have been more like minus three or four dollars. So if you're getting that around even money, it's a great bet. And uh, hopefully you took advantage of it. But we are going to try to give you some more winners here in the second block of Better's Last Stand. Matt here with you solo. 
Um, we will take a break now and then be back. We're going to talk some CFL. Women's World Cup starts up next week. going to give you a little rundown there. Scottish Open and the Barbasol, two golf events this week as we get ready for the Open Championship next week. And then Big 3 Basketball coming up here in the second segment. Hopefully I can do better. But I've identified a couple of things that I find interesting from a betting standpoint early on in the Big 3 season. Uh, and then we'll finish up in the third segment of the program with Sam and we talk IndyCar and NASCAR as we are in Toronto and New Hampshire this week, way up north. Uh, it's Better's Last Stand here on the Pine Room Studios Network. Reminder, Better's Last Stand is for informational and entertainment purposes only. All wagering activities should only be conducted by those 21 years of age or older and within the confines of federal, state, and local law. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, contact 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. You're watching Better's Last Stand. All right, welcome back in. Better's Last Stand here on the Pine Room Studios Network on YouTube, Spotify, Amazon, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. So you had one too many Pine Room loggers after a long work week, did you? Call our friends at IC Cabs at 232-1313-304-232-1313 or iccabs.com. You're out at the bar knocking back a few too many Pine Room loggers. Be sure and give IC Cabs a call. Uh, They'll take care of all your transportation needs around the Ohio Valley and even further. You want to go to the airport? Want to go down to Morgantown? Uh, they got you covered. So, give IC Cabs a call or flag them down on the road and ask them how to arrange a pickup. Um, they'll be happy to do it, and you'll be a lot safer and better off in the long run. So, go see our friends at IC Cab for all your transportation needs here on the Pine Room Network with BLS uh, CFL. Let's talk a little bit about that. Don't have a ton of opinions on this right now. Um, you have a game on Thursday, which we won't talk about because. This show will already air. Uh, Friday, Toronto at Montreal. The Argonauts minus 4.5, the total 47.5. Toronto coming off a bye. They're 3-0. Pretty strong team. I like the over here. I think uh, some points will be scored. Montreal is okay. Not not bad. So uh, I think uh, maybe some points. So we'll go with the over 47.5 there. Saturday, double header on Saturday at 4 o'clock and at 7 o'clock. Got Winnipeg at Ottawa. At uh, 4 o'clock, the Blue Bombers minus 9, the total 44.5. The Red Blacks of Ottawa lost their quarterback, uh, Jeremiah Masoli, for the season. They had to sign a couple of quarterbacks this week, which is uh, going to be a problem. Uh, Winnipeg hasn't played very well the last two. They lost, and then they won a really low-scoring game last week. Um, I will take the Blue Bombers to bounce back here. Probably gonna the line's probably gonna go up once people start to realize that Masoli's out uh, later in the week. So get on the Blue Bombers right now minus the nine on Saturday evening. The second game on Saturday evening, the Stampeders of Calgary visiting the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, I like this game over the total of forty four and a half at seven o'clock on CBS Sports Network. So that again is the over in Toronto Montreal on Friday night. Winnipeg minus the nine on Saturday afternoon and Calgary and Saskatchewan over the forty four and a half. I uh, would tell you the Edmonton Hamilton game under 42 and a half on Thursday, but the show already aired. So don't worry about that. And uh, I'll put it on social media and hopefully you'll uh, check it out there. 
Um, let's jump over to uh, the Scottish Open here real quick. Got a few plays uh, that I thought were worth a look. Double card here for, for golf. You get the best guys are out in Scotland getting ready for the Open Championship next week. They're playing at the uh, North Berwick Golf Course there in Scotland as they prepare for the Open next week at Royal Liverpool or Hoy Lake, you'll hear it called. Um, last time they were there, Roy McIlroy won, but a lot better field this time, so I think should be a really good tournament. And you got the Barbasol in Kentucky with the players who aren't good enough to really play over in uh, Scotland or the Open Championship next week. So you'll uh, you'll hear a lot of names you may not have seen for a while. So uh, quickly, let's go to uh, the Genesis Scottish Open. Um, some guys that I think are contenders. Tommy Fleetwood, 20-1. to 1. I think he'll be in contention. Justin Rose, a guy I've been on. You've heard me give him out a lot. I think a top 10 makes a lot of sense for him. Um, and I would play all these guys to win as well. I uh, wouldn't play Fleetwood much lower than twenty to one. Rose around forty-five to one. Sahith Thagala has been having a pretty good year. He's a hundred to one here. I thought that price was a little bit too high, so take a shot with him at a really big price. Um, has played some decent golf overseas. Matt Fitzpatrick, his game is starting to come back into form. He was the U.S. Open winner last year. I think he maybe maybe stays in contention. If, if he doesn't win this week, I think maybe next week he's, he's a, worth a look. Twenty-five to one. It wouldn't go much lower than that for him because again, his game hasn't been great. Uh, longer shots. Uh, guys that I like a little bit. Um, Vic, well, no, actually, I've got one more guy that's a, kind of a favorite. Victor Hovland, 18-1. to 1, I think he'll be very strong here. Um, maybe a little bit too low to play him. Uh, Aaron Rye, 60-1. to 1, has been playing great golf lately. Um, he'll be he'll be in contention. I think a top 20 for him makes a lot of sense. Um, Xander Shoffley, who is the defending champ here, I wouldn't recommend to play on him, but he is the defending champion. Probably will be in contention next week. Uh, some longer shot guys uh, that play on the European Tour a lot that I think could be worth a shot here. And of course they're familiar with uh, Lucas Herbert, Lucas Herbert. That is he's 60 to one, uh, Robert McIntyre, 90 to one, a Scotsman himself. He's a very good player. Um, just waiting to break through within a good field. He's, he's won a lot of tournaments over in Europe um, in, on the uh, DP world tour. And then Ryan Fox, always you'll see his name on the open championship leaderboard a lot. Definitely contender here at 71, 70 to one, Eric Cole, Brian Harmon, uh, a couple other guys that I thought maybe were worth a peek uh, over in Scotland. Coming back across to the States, the Barbasol Championship in uh, Nicholasville, Kentucky. Um, this was tough. Kevin Streelman, I like, 25-1. to 1. Uh, Peter Quest, 22-1. to 1. Lucas Glover's been playing pretty well. He played well last week at 20-1. to 1. Those are some of my top-tier guys. Um, Scott Piercy, guy who had a really good year about three or four years ago. Maybe it was a little bit longer than that. But uh, starting to get his game back after a couple injuries. Think he could be dangerous at fifty to one, maybe maybe for a top ten. Grayson Murray, uh, ever since he had a little spat with uh, Roy McIlroy over Live Golf, he's picked his game up a little bit. So uh, he's uh, he's at fifty to one. So I think he might be worth worth a play. Uh, Justin Lauer, forty five to one. Um, so those are those are my choices at the Barbersaw. Won't be paying a whole lot of attention to that, uh, and I'll post these these on social media so you can follow along. Uh, Big three basketball. I don't have any numbers on these yet on the uh, games yet, so I'll have to post them on social media. So be looking for that uh, BLS underscore PRP or at the Pine Room Studios on Instagram and at the Pine Room Podcast on Twitter. So uh, check them out if you want to watch Big Three. It was a good good weekend. I, I did terrible, but the games were good. Uh, dogs five and one last week in Brooklyn, so they went outright five and one. So. What I've identified here is you, right now, but until the odds makers uh, like myself can adjust, 
Um, the wrong teams have been favored in these games, and, and maybe you get get the benefit of, of playing the dogs if you if you're playing the dogs here. You're you're playing uh, you're doing really well the last few weeks. Dogs have been winning outright. I think the balance of the league is the best that it's ever been. So you got seven teams with a two and one record. That's the tops in the league. The trilogy are still favored to two time defending champions at plus three fifty. I, I watched their game because I had them, and they're, they're getting they're looking a little old right now. I think they're probably very vulnerable this year, and I do do not expect them to to win it all again. Uh, Three headed monsters, six to one, the second choice right now. But a long way to go here. Uh, still got I think three more weeks, but I I think taking dogs right now seems to be the way to go. And uh, these dogs are winning easy. They're, they're the games aren't even getting close to overs. Uh, a lot of them, and the dogs are covering the. Spread by about five, six points every time, so which is tough to do. But if you haven't checked it out yet, check it out. It's a pretty good product, uh, an enjoy, enjoyable watch, um, and you can get in on the action. So uh, I, numbers weren't posted yet. I looked at about 20 books, but that was to be expected after they got just crushed last week, I'm sure, um, by people. Although I don't know. Maybe some pros beat them, but the, the general public um, probably would have been on most of the favorites. But I think they probably realized their numbers were very skewed and off. Uh, at least I realized that uh, very early on uh, Sunday afternoons. Like, man, these numbers are not right that we've had on these games. So uh, probably going back to the drawing board, trying to get a little more data. But I think the league is really even. So the, the value could be on the underdogs to this point. All right, shifting over now to soccer. Uh, I haven't talked about soccer a whole lot in the last uh, couple of shows because Premier League in the... Uh, European leagues are all done. Everybody's on breaks right now, uh, except for the ladies as they get ready to uh, head into the World Cup, which begins next week and next Thursday, actually. Um, It'll be held in New Zealand and Australia. So you got um, a really good tournament. The Women's World Cup continues to to get better. The teams uh, are a little bit more evenly matched across the board as time has gone on. So I think uh, the opportunity to um, get some value and, and find teams other than the United States that can win uh, is is there, and we will uh, we'll try to take a shot to beat the United States. Um, not really politically motivated. If I thought they would win, I would still bet them. Not a big fan of all their their players, most notably Megan Rapinoe, who's an absolute idiot. But uh, you know, I'm not going to root against my own country. Uh, but uh, from a betting standpoint, we'll take a take a shot here uh, in in some spots. So let's just go through these. Uh, Groups really quickly. Uh, group A, you have uh, New Zealand, who are the co-hosts, along with Australia. You got Norway, Switzerland, and the Philippines. Uh, the Philippines, first time ever in this tournament, they're going to be the doormat of this group right here, which is a pretty strong group. Um, Norway, who is uh, coming up in in European football, they're getting better. Uh, they went ten and zero in qualifying. Um, they, their Euro showing last year wasn't as strong as they hoped, but hopefully they were just overlooking uh, that for this, uh, and they're going to be a little bit more focused. I think they're they're the minus three dollar favorite to win this group. Um, I, I don't think that they can be challenged in the group, but I think Switzerland and New Zealand are both uh, interesting uh, opponents to to face Norway. Uh, Norway will play New Zealand in the first game, which is a tricky spot because they're, the home crowd is going to be behind New Zealand. They're going to be very motivated. Uh, New Zealand has never never won a World Cup match, so they're going to be all out to try to win one of these. Though they're going to beat the Philippines for sure. It's then going to come down to whether them and Switzerland can get a point against New Zealand or against Norway, and then what they can do against each other. So uh, 
The Swiss, I think, are they're the second choice on the odds board in this group. Five dollars uh, to to win it. Uh, New Zealand's right about that too, about five and a half, so about six to one on New Zealand. Um, this was tough. I, I'm picking Norway to win the group, but uh, I thought Switzerland was was worth a shot. But I can see New Zealand beating them, so I'm going to be very leery. I'm not going to bet Switzerland to finish second in this group, although I think they may. Um, they're not. They're not. You know. I, they're, they're a good team, but they're not great, and New Zealand is going to be very motivated with the uh, home crowd behind them. So in Group A, I'll be going with Norway, and then it's a toss-up between the Switzerland Switzerland and New Zealand, and then at 250-1, to one, the Philippines, they'll be a doormat, uh, probably bet overs in those matches against them and uh, the other teams on handicap. So let's move over to Group B. you got the other co-hosts, Australia, who is a two, minus $2 favorite in this group. Uh, Canada, the second choice at 2-1. to one. Nigeria at 33-1. to one. And the Republic of Ireland at 16-1. to one. Australia uh, is the team to beat here. Canada, who won the Olympic gold medal a couple of years ago, um, is, is a pretty good opponent. Uh, Christine Sinclair is like 100 years old. She can still score from the spot, so... Canada in a game that goes into uh, penalties and extra time, I would be uh, concerned about that. Uh, Ireland makes their first appearance. Don't expect them to do much more than be happy to be there. Probably them in Nigeria are going to make quick exits. Uh, Nigeria, though, has had some success. They've made it into round 16, I think, maybe one, at least once. But they, they're athletic enough, uh, keep the games low scoring. So if the team is struggling to figure out a way to score off a set piece or something on Nigeria, maybe steals a point off of uh, Canada or Australia and, and maybe finishes third in this group. Don't see anybody other than the Canadians and the Aussies going going out of the group. So we're going with Australia and Canada in that group, uh, but I'm probably not even going to bet Canada, but Australia will probably be a bet. All right, Group C, Costa Rica, Japan, Spain, and Zambia. Spain, a minus $8 favorite here. This comes up pretty favorable, although I would not discredit Japan. Uh, very experienced veteran team, uh, stable very similar to their men's team. If you if you don't put them away early, they can really be a thorn in your side. So look out Spain. Spain, very talented. But Spain has some issues. They have a, a player strike that they're going through, uh, like a dispute over wages uh, with their country. Uh, Alexa, Alexa Putellis, the really good scorer for them, is back. She missed the last World Cup. So they're, they're, they got a lot of talent, but they got some girls that are not playing because of this wage issue. So... I'm not really sure what the mental state of Spain is. They should win this group uh, going away, but Japan is dangerous. So I would take a shot with Japan advancing out of the group. I do like that bet. Uh, Zambia has played well in their uh, World Cup qualifiers. They actually uh, shocked Germany. I believe they maybe drew with Germany. Um, they, they've played they've played some big games uh, leading up here against some good, some good quality international competition. So I wouldn't completely rule them out, and I think they probably have a better shot of doing anything than Costa Rica, who is uh, in their first, uh, I believe, no, maybe it's their second trip, but nevertheless, they're not going to be a contender. Uh, Group D, China, Denmark, England, and Haiti. England minus $33 to win this group. That means you have to lay $33 to win $1. It's insane. Do not bet England. Denmark, uh, very interested in the Danes. I think that... uh, they're uh, a team that's trending the right way. They've been a little bit inconsistent, but their uh, their striker, Pernell Harder of Chelsea, uh, she's she's good enough that she can score goals for them and carry them. I think the Den- the Danes advance out of this group. They're twelve to one to win it. They'd have to beat England to be able to do that. I don't see why they couldn't. Uh, China and Haiti probably not going to put up much of a fight. I think they easily get through. So if you can find Denmark to advance 
out of the group at a plus price. That's an absolute must bet. Uh, it'll be hard for them not to, as Haiti and China, Haiti's first time ever here. China, they're okay, but they can't score enough to probably be able to beat these teams. So uh, English and the Danes through in Group D. Group E, the United States. This, is, this group, I thought, is very tough. The United States, Netherlands, Portugal, and then you got Vietnam. So Vietnam is going to get absolutely massacred by everybody in this group. So probably overs when you're betting uh, against Vietnam and then probably the other team on a handicap. Now, USA is much the team to beat. We know that. They're really talented. they got a great, great team. Um, they'll be very, very hard to uh, to stop in this entire tournament. Uh, the Netherlands disappointed in the Euros last year. Um, they were the runner-up in 2019, though, against the USA. Uh Vivian Medina is out for them, though. They're top striker, so that's a big loss. But they do have a lot of depth. Uh, Lika Mertens and some of the girls that they have uh, are talented enough to carry them. They, they're just going to have to get their scoring from uh, more spread out uh, than just feeding it into Medina and set pieces. So I think the Dutch are probably good enough to get out of this group. I don't know what the state of their uh, their operation is, but they're plus 250 right now to win the group. USA minus 350. You're actually got to be surprised to see USA at that that uh, good of a number. 350s in the ballpark to where you could bet it, but uh, still too much. I wouldn't recommend it, but um, this is a tough group. It signifies it's a tough group. Portugal, I know a lot of T people are down on them, but they're not bad. Um, low scoring, keep it close. Maybe score off a set piece. They're 50 to 1. They're in the group. I don't think they can win the group, but they could be a problem for the Netherlands or the United States. Um, if, if the USA or, or the Dutch don't show up against Portugal, uh, they could drop some points and then give Portugal a shot uh, you each land on four, and then you're down to gold differential. So it's whoever beats Vietnam worse. Uh, so I, I expect the USA and the Dutch to come out of it, but don't don't discredit the uh, the Portuguese in uh, Group E. Group F: Brazil, France, Jamaica, Panama. Two horse race here. France the favorite, minus two dollars. Brazil plus one fifty. Uh, I don't see anybody other than Brazil and France winning this group, but. Um, yeah, I, I just don't see it. I think it's possible. Uh, Jamaica, though, is interesting. They could play some exciting. They have a, a exciting soccer. They they have a girl from uh, Manchester City uh, named Kadir Shaw, and she uh, she's pretty good. She can score some goals. So, in, in in Jamaica, will be able to match these teams athletically. It's just a matter of tactically if they can hang hang with the France or. Or Brazil, Brazil, uh, not quite as talented as they have been in the past, but they're, they're always going to have pretty solid players. This is Marta's last World Cup, um, the legendary uh, all-time great for Brazil. So she'll be playing in her last one, so I'm sure they want to do well for her. Uh, France, very well-rounded, stable team, uh, plays pretty good on both sides of the ball. So I think uh, they're just a solid team to just advance. And I think at minus $2 is not, not bad. I, I think they're a little better than Brazil. Panama, first appearance. Um, they're probably not going to win a game. If they score a goal, that'll be good for the Panamanians. Uh, let's go back to, uh, let's see, what did we skip? Uh, group, I think Group C. I didn't go through Group C yet. We were a little out of order here. Sweden, uh, Group C, Sweden, and they're in there with Italy and South Africa and Argentina. Now, Argentina is not nearly the Argentina they are on the men's side of things. So you have Sweden at minus 550, Italy at plus $5, and then Argentina 16 to 1, South Africa 65 to 1. Uh, Sweden's always a team who seems to make it into the knockout rounds of these tournaments. They haven't been able to get the job done uh, ever, but they've always played the USA tough. They've played a lot of uh, other countries tough. So um, no reason that the Swedes couldn't win this, uh, this group. 
But Italy's improving from a girls' standpoint, and uh, they you know they were strong back in, in 19, and uh, they didn't play well in the Euros, so I think they'll be trying to prove something. But I I think possibly South Africa can be a dark horse to to maybe make some noise in there, but I I don't I just don't think it's possible. And then uh, Argentina, like I said, not terrible, but just doesn't have enough firepower. So most likely it's going to be Sweden and Italy through uh, Group H, Germany. Two-time World Cup winners, uh, and then the runner-up in Euro 22 to the English. Uh, this group is awful, and Germany benefited from this draw immensely. They have by far the easiest route out of a group. Colombia at 11 to one is the second choice. The Germans are minus 16 dollars. Uh, South Korea 18 uh, to one to win it. Morocco 150 to one. You'll just say, well, didn't you say that the uh, the English were 33 to one? Well, they are. And the English will probably win their group. But I can tell you this, from top to bottom, there's no team in Group H that's as good as Denmark, who's in the English division of Group D. So uh, top to bottom, Germany has three games that they absolutely should win for fun. They should be able to keep their players rested, rotate their people, and they're going to be very, very dangerous. We'll talk more about that in a couple minutes when I get to my picks to go through and advance. Uh, and then uh, I think that was our final group, Group H. Yeah, okay. So let's go back over these again. Group A, my top play is Norway, uh, followed by the Swiss, and I think New Zealand is a dark horse. So if you want to take a shot with an upset to get out of the group, I wouldn't recommend them winning it, but I think they could advance. Uh, Spain and – or Group B, sorry. Australia, the um, hosts, co-hosts, and Canada, it's basically a two-horse race there. I don't see anybody else. Nigeria, maybe, but Australia and Canada, in whatever order um, you prefer, Australia minus $2, Canada plus $2, you can get a decent price on either one of them. Spain and Japan in Group C. I think the Japanese, though, are dangerous. If Spain's not on their game because um, of those contract disputes that they're having or wage disputes, uh, Japan is a just a prototypical professional outfit. They just come and they play the same way all the time. So I expect the Japanese to advance for sure. England and Denmark in Group D, as we said, English minus $33 to win that group. But the Danes are a up-and-coming side, and I think that the Danes could be uh, live when we get into the knockout stage. Group E, that is the USA. I'll say the USA and Netherlands win it. Probably the USA wins the group, but... Um, the Dutch can't be discredited, and don't count Portugal out. That's Like I said, they could be a thorn in the side. Group F, France and Brazil. Don't see anybody else advancing out of that group, so we'll go with France first and Brazil to finish second. Group G, Sweden and Italy. Don't think anybody can touch either one of them. Italy possibly can't score enough that maybe maybe the South Africa, I don't know. Argentina, they have to really play uh, above their their level to get out of that group. And then Group H, Germany, and then you pick it for the the last the second spot. I do not know who will be able to come out between Colombia, South Korea, and Morocco. Any of those teams to me is live. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't completely dismiss Morocco from from advancing. They're not going to beat Germany, but. Um, it's up for grabs there. Colombia has never really been a, a team that's that's that strong in women's soccer. So I think you, uh, they've had one win in seven World Cup matches, and South Korea has won once in ten. It's Morocco's first time. Maybe they're excited. Maybe they knock a team off, and that's all it takes. If they could get one win against uh, either uh, uh, Korea or uh, Colombia, then they're probably through because Germany's going to smash all these teams, and then 
maybe if a team plays to a draw and, and you get in there with with three in the second spot. So advancing into the knockout stage, uh, I have Norway playing uh, against Japan. I have Japan beating Norway in that matchup. I think Japan is dangerous. USA versus Italy in the first knockout phase. USA should win that game pretty easily. Then you drop down uh, group C1 versus A2, Spain and whoever is A2, which I think will probably be Switzerland, but it could be uh, New Zealand. I wouldn't count either one of them out. Spain will probably be too good for either one. So Spain advances out. Then it's Sweden and the Dutch, G1 versus E2. Uh, I think the Dutch will beat Sweden. I think the Dutch are good enough to make a little run here. Then they'll probably play Spain in that side. I think Spain maybe gets the job done against them this time, and then USA will probably take out Japan. But I think Spain could really give USA some some issues if they're clicking. By the, this point, if Spain has made it this far, I think they upset USA and uh, make it to the final. On the other side, it'll be Australia in a matchup against Denmark. That's B1 versus D2. And then F1, France, against H2. H2 was really tough. I'll say Morocco. Whoever it is, France is going to beat them. Uh, that would be interesting if those teams play because uh, France and Morocco in the Men's World Cup uh, just last year, uh, really good game. So France advances there, uh, and then I think France probably plays Australia, and I think Australia makes a run out to the semifinals. Down at the bottom quadrant, D1 England against B2 Canada. Great matchup here, highly intense game. Um, England will get pushed but probably just have enough to beat Canada. So we'll advance the Lionesses into the quarterfinals. And then we have down at the very bottom, Germany versus Brazil. Germany's just going to be too good for Brazil now. This Brazil team's a little bit old and used up. So we'll go with the Germans. Then the Germans beat the English. And then it's going to come down to between France and Australia. As I said, I think Australia wins that. So Australia versus Germany in the semifinal. And Germany advances to the final to play Spain on August the 20th. And Germany is the team to take home the crown of Women's World Cup. That is my pick. Germany, you can get the Germans. Right now, the Germans are probably about the third or fourth price right now. USA plus 250 favorites. Then you got Spain at 6-1. to one. You got England at 4-1. to one. And I think that, yeah. And then, then you got the, the Germans at around 7-8-1. to one. So I think that's a great price on Germany. They're good. They're business-like. They have some good athletes on the team. They got some depth. Um experience they have all the factors that you would want in a team that could make a make a long run so i'm going to go with the germans uh to reach the final i thought a few of these were were kind of interesting um if you like germany like i do you're looking at teams that would be on the left side of the bracket because you almost have to assume germany will take the group h number one spot no matter what so to make the final over on the uh left hand side you have uh japan who's in the mix. If they could get by the United States, they would probably be live. Um, you have the Dutch, who are 10-1 to 1 to make the final. Japan, also 10-1 to 1 to make the final. You have Spain, who's my other finalist, at plus 275. And then you have the United States at plus 125. If you're anti-Germany, and you like uh, a team like Denmark, which if Germany wasn't going to come out of that side, then I would probably lean towards either France or Denmark. Denmark you can get at 20 to 1 just to reach the final. They don't even have to win. France at plus 450. So those are uh, my picks for the Women's World Cup. I'll be putting these on Twitter next week as we get ready for the matches to start on Thursday. And then I'll be giving you some match by match. Games that I like a little bit too. And in the first wave of games, just off the top of my head, uh, I think New Zealand 
will uh, will score some goals against uh, Norway. Uh, so I would bet New Zealand to score. That'll probably be maybe a plus price. You can get over a half uh, against a pretty good Norway team. Uh, Australia, play them on the handicap against Ireland. Those are on Thursday, Friday matches. This is next week, remember. The 20th is when this World Cup kicks off. Switzerland and the Philippines, over three. If you could get that right now, get on it. Uh, I think the Swiss will score four at least themselves. Costa Rica and Spain. Um, Spain probably on the handicap there. They're going to be very tough to beat for a Costa Rica side who may have trouble getting the ball across midfield. Vietnam and the USA, that's got to be an over. Um, USA is going to pump in a lot of goals against Vietnam. Six is the total right now. I'd probably continue to play it till it got up to probably where it was about seven. If you can get it before it gets to seven, I would do that. On Saturday, Japan and Zambia. Japan, I, I like Japan to, in, in Zambia. Zambia is athletic. They, they played a couple of uh, good quality teams in their qualifying round, and they played those games under. Low scoring. They're going to defend. They're going to try to score off set pieces. Japan will will match tactics with anybody, and they're athletic. So I like this game under three and a half. I think that's way too high. Haiti and England like that game over four and a half. The England English will probably score six themselves uh, on Saturday, and then the final game on Saturday, the Danes of Denmark and China uh, like Denmark here. I think they'll they'll probably take care of business. Play them minus. Uh, Minus a half or minus 0.75 on the Asian handicap if you prefer to get a better price. Uh, Sweden and South Africa on Sunday. I think Sweden will take care of business there, but they're gonna you have to lay a huge price. So probably on the handicap, lay it, lay it with the Swedes. Uh, and then the Dutch and the Portuguese. This, If you can find this total around three, uh, I think the under is a great bet. Um, Netherlands will try to feel people out. They have some really high-scoring type players on their team, but they know Portugal is a really good defensive team. So... Uh, maybe one goal in this game. Uh, I think it's a really good matchup, though, early, and it will dictate a lot of how that how that uh, group ends up uh, on Monday. Germany and Morocco. Germany lay the goals with Mor- against Morocco. They're going to score a bunch against them, probably an over 4-2 if you can get it. And then Brazil against Panama. Brazil uh, probably going to take advantage of Panama. The Brazilian experience will show here. I don't think they're talented enough to do much else, but they will beat Panama. So uh, those are my picks for the Women's World Cup and uh, – before we get ready to bring Sam on here in the next segment, we'll jump over to a few news and notes uh, here in the uh, second segment of Better's Last Stand as we get you ready for a interesting week. we got a lot of things on the docket as we head towards football season. Uh, a couple of bad beats that I want to go over. Uh, Adley Rushman, if you had him in the first round of the Home Run Derby the other night against Luis Robert, uh, man, he comes out, he hits 27, I think, uh, and then Robert just is incredible and beats him. So Rushman doing it from both sides of the plate. Impressive display for him. He was plus 180. Uh, I had him. Dang, I I thought he was going to be in good shape. And then uh, they kind of jinxed him. Everybody just assumed he won. And then Robert comes out and says, not so fast, uh, and wins that. Um, Randy Rosarena had him to win it outright at 10 to 1, 10, 11 to 1. Um, Vlad Jr. gets him in the finals uh, about plus three and a half dollars for him. So uh, not the greatest finals but i think these guys get so exhausted i was impressed with the rosarina it was exactly the kind of performance i would have you know thought he would have uh he's a big game type guy very good under pressure and performed very well under pressure so had a good night there had randy over had uh, him in the first round and uh, had him to make the final so uh profitable night had and as i said uh had the game uh, under every which way in the national league last night so um, a pretty good couple of days of baseball for me. Uh, and then a NASCAR. I mentioned this earlier. We'll talk to Sam about it. If you had Blaney or Cindric or Busher or Elliott or Hamlin, all these guys had really good cars last Sunday night 
at Atlanta, and then the rains came. And everybody knew it was coming. So you're timing it out, and a caution came out about 15, 12, 15 laps before the rains got there. So you had to decide whether you were going to stay out or you were going to go in and pit and say, all right, everybody's going to pit enough that we're going to have enough time before, you know, maybe it'll be 20 laps before the rain gets here, and that'll be enough time for us to, you know, jockey for position and get where we need to go. Well, a lot of guys stayed out, and the top pack all pitted, which included the guys I mentioned, Blaney, Sendrick, Busher, Elliott, Hamlin, etc. Um, it didn't turn out well for them. The guys who stayed out all hung on. Their tires lasted long enough. They only had to go 10, 15, I can't remember the exact amount of laps, but they lasted. We were just waiting and waiting and waiting, and he kept seeing that radar, and it's like, oh, no. If Byron and this group has to pit before that rain gets here, then then it swings back to the guys who did pit with the advantage, but it didn't happen. The guys who stayed out and gambled won. And uh, William Byron, who had an issue early in, in the race, but he was had a really good car. So, you know, he, he probably was a worthy winner, but he definitely needed that luck to uh, stay with that pack and stay out and uh, when the rest of the guys pitted up front to get the track position, and he benefited from it. So a uh, winner for William Byron, and he leads the league and wins this year, and he's just been exceptional for Hendrick Motorsports, and we'll see if he can keep it rolling. Um, BetMGM uh, reported the 40% increase in the betting of women's sports, uh, WNBA, LPGA, women's tennis, women's soccer, on and on, uh, which is really cool, but you're seeing a lot of women get into the betting industry uh, whether they're influencers or actual handicappers. And uh, that's really cool to see. We've had Lauren the Better on this show a couple of times, had her on the podcast. Got uh, a couple other things cooking with some other girls that are in the industry too that we're going to try to talk to. Um, I think it's great. I think it's great to get girls' opinions on these things and uh, grow the industry more and more and more. So um, if you know a lady that's starting to get interested in sports betting, send her over into Better's Last Stand. We love the Love to have and uh, give us a feedback. Contact at the podcast dot com. Be happy to hear from any of our lady listeners and uh, call the show. Call, call our show on uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday on the Watchdog Hotline 304-214-1600. We love to chat with anybody that has thoughts about any of our um, shows here on the Pine Room Studios Network. Uh, Ohio became the first state to pass legislation that explicitly addresses the issues of betting-related threats towards athletes coaches and referees uh, they had an issue with Dayton people threatening people for because they lost bets uh, Ohio's putting it in it's going to be a criminal act you're going to get fined you're going to get prison time possibly which is just nuts and uh, which you're nuts to do that but then you're it's nuts to give people prison time for verbal threats um, that part is I'm in the middle on this I don't think people should do this and I think they should be banned from betting That that's easy cut them off they're not allowed to bet with legal regulators which they would have that penalty but jail time's uh, a little bit sketchy. You're on the grounds of uh, stopping people's free speech. So let's hope they don't get crazy with this. But I agree with stopping them, finding them. I'm good with that. Uh, West Virginia also is planning to uh, have a bill similar to combat this issue. So interesting stuff there. Kentucky's adding an emergency legislation to promote, uh, prohibit misleading sports betting advertising. So you see these ads on every single channel all up and down the dial. Everywhere you turn, you got somebody telling you how easy it is to hit a same-game parlay. Uh, I'll sit here and tell you right now, I work in the industry. I also bet uh, it's not easy. So don't listen to these people. It's fun. You should do it for amusement. Throw a couple bucks on something. Maybe you hit big. Maybe you don't. But unless you really want to put the time in and handicap these things, I wouldn't recommend betting large amounts unless you're prepared to uh, lose large amounts. So um, Kentucky 
is feeling that there's too many false promises out there to make it look easy. So I get where they're coming from. But again, you're protecting these people's speech is protected. They're not saying anything that's completely false. Um, it's it embellished is what I would call it. So be uh, be cautious, but uh, no need to panic. Barstool Sportsbook shuts down for 72 hours. They're actually shut down right now. They're overhauling their entire platform. So if you're looking for the Barstool app right now, it should be back up by Friday morning for MLB. But uh, they, t- they chose the right window to do it. But, man, these books have got to figure out different ways of doing this. Uh, they, they were with a brand called Camby, which is a huge uh, K-A-M-B-I, huge uh, provider for Sportsbook um, apps out there across Europe and across the world. Uh, but they're going to go their own in-house operation as they uh, now own by Penn National. I'm sure they have plenty of money to pay tech people to make an app like this. And it's quite a uh, undertaking to build these apps. It's uh, been involved in the front end of it several times now. And uh, it's it's something to see. So uh, hopefully they get it up and going. Uh, NFL's expanding its watch and bet campaign this season with partnership with Genius Sports, who's a um, they're a statistical provider. They're also a um, odds making provider too, which I currently uh, have a partnership with them. Um, for the time being, uh, they're they're a trading team that out of Europe and South America that that uh, will assist sports books for overnight monitoring and things like that. When you don't have people in the office, uh, can't be there every single hour, so they're on call for that. Uh, but the betters will now be able to access low latency feeds for uh, you know from participating sports book. The easier to make it easier for them to track. Uh, in game betting, so uh, this is a nice thing to have. Um, and 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 if you're if you're not familiar with the with the term uh, with the uh, low latency, that means the less delay. So you know you're on Directv, you got a thirty second delay from actually like if you were in the stadium. Uh, you got Comcast, it's twenty seconds. You got streaming, it's fifty, forty five. I mean, the Super Bowl this year was up over a minute at times. So um, big problem for the sports betting world if you're counting on those streams. If you're betting live try to get these these uh, low latency feeds you can see them on a lot of the books that are adding them you're getting them basically tapped right in it's not the greatest quality but it doesn't matter you just need to be know what's actually happening um and then another trick that i use too especially in college sports go to the college sports websites of the teams you know if stony brook's playing uh you know uh marist in basketball go to the home team's uh site and go on their live stat feed it's going to be five, six seconds at the least faster than um, any type of uh, video that you would have. And if it's a stream, it's 30 seconds faster. So if you're betting that stuff in-game, be sure you get a source that you can get actual time, situation, down and distance in football. You want to know what's going on. Uh, you can't just bet blindly. Um, it's a huge mistake because the books have you by the balls, literally. Um, you can't trust them they're gonna take advantage of you 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 got they got 30 seconds ahead of you or more they're gonna they're gonna beat you every time so um be aware of that and uh and and be very cautious um horse racing saratoga opening this week really cool uh the best racing there is this is the best time of year for horse racing as far as the regular cards go not breeders cup obviously or triple crown races but saratoga opening tomorrow be going through the entire uh, month of july and august and then you got delmar which uh, starts up next Thursday. So coast-to-coast racing, incredible cards, really good action, and great prices to be had. All right, let's jump over to AFL very quickly before we get Sam on the show uh, this week. We had a really good week in AFL last week. Uh, I think I said we went uh, five. 
No, we were ten and five. So ten and five, really good week. Uh, on Thursday night, it's Western and Sydney. Um, doesn't really matter. You have missed the game already, but I like the game under one sixty four and a half. I'll post that on Twitter. Uh, Friday, early morning, Melbourne and Brisbane. Again, you probably won't. This probably won't be up by then. I like the game. Uh, I like Melbourne, the Demons at home. Minus the four and a half in a total under 164 and a half. Saturday or Friday night. This will be late Friday night, 1145 Eastern time. The Fremantle Dockers at the Collingwood Magpies. Magpies are the top team in the league right now on in, as far as the division ladder goes. They're laying 40 and a half in a home in a total 159 and a half. Uh, Fremantle is not very good. I think Collingwood probably beats them pretty pretty easily. So we're going with the Magpies. I don't love laying 40 and a half, but we will go with them. Saturday morning, late Friday night. Get uh, your ride home from IC Cab around 12, 10 a.m. on Friday. Actually, technically Saturday a.m. You got the St. Kilda Saints visiting the Gold Coast Suns in a big showdown here. Uh, St. Kilda continues to drop after their great start to the season. They're just not that good. Uh, they have won eight straight in this series, but they're catching 12 and a half here against Gold Coast. Gold Coast fired their coach this week. Uh, I expect the Suns to come out ready to go, laying the 12 and a half. I'll be taking the Suns and also have a bet on them to make the top eight, which is the finals, uh, nine to one right now. We gave that out earlier in the year. I think it was eight to one preseason. You can get nine to one now. I uh, like their schedule, how it shapes up. I think they have six winnable games left, and I think they have a really good chance. And uh, St. Kilda is a team, I think, that are dropping. So this match is really big for the final eight. You could probably make a case that six of the eight teams are pretty much finalized, but uh, two spots to be had, and I think Gold Coast is going to be good enough to take one of those. All right, let's move on. 2.35 a.m. later that evening, Friday evening, actually Saturday morning, Port Adelaide visits Carlton. The power are really good, and they're only laying 7.5 on the road. We will take the power, and I think they absolutely bury Carlton. Uh, Essendon and Geelong. It's a 5.25 a.m. Saturday morning matchup. Uh, Geelong showing some signs of uh, improvement, but man, the Bombers impressed me. They're a stable team. I think this will be a tough game for Geelong. I like the game over 168.5, so we'll go with that over in Essendon, Geelong. Uh, GWS and Adelaide, the Crows hosting the Giants, 5.40 a.m. on Saturday morning. The Crows are minus 16.5 at home, the total 174.5. This is a tricky one. GWS has impressed me. Both these teams are 8-8, pretty evenly matched. I think I like GWS to cover the 17 or 16.5, but I like the Crows to probably win the game. I think this is a really tight one, so maybe if you can get Crows to win by between 1 and 39, uh, take that, and then you play back, and you take uh, the Giants plus around 17. I do like the over a lot in this game, 174.5. I think there'll be uh, a lot of points scored there, and uh, Adelaide scores a lot of points at home, so that should be beneficial. Hawthorne at North Melbourne. This is a Saturday night, 11 o'clock Eastern time kick. It'll be on one of the Fox networks. Uh, North Melbourne, 2-14. and 14. Hawthorne. Four and twelve, uh, two bad teams here. Uh, Hawthorne's lost four or six. North Melbourne, the Kangas have lost fourteen in a row. But I'm going to go with the Ruse here. I think they maybe, maybe at home. This is a game that I think both these teams will really want to win because they're both pretty bad, and this will be their last chance to win. So we're going to go with the Kangaroos. But maybe they uh, cover the spread. Maybe they win the game at plus one fifty on the money line. But I do like an under two. Um, normally, you would think both these teams, they surrender a lot of points. They're not that great on defense, but I think they'll have extra focus and uh, really think, hey, you know, we got a chance to win this week, which doesn't happen very often if you're a North Melbourne Kangaroo fan or a Hawthorne Hawk fan. So we'll go under. That's my strongest play there, 170 and a half in that one, and I will take the ruse plus the 12 and a half. And then the final game, Sunday morning, 2.40 a.m., the Richmond Tigers, 41 and a half point road favorites against uh, West Coast 
uh, in the total 173.5. So West Coast was an 83-point dog last week against Brisbane. Couldn't quite get there with Brisbane. Um, we also missed the under or the over by a couple of points. So that one, we would have actually had an even better week uh, if we could have got that one to cash. But now they've readjusted. They put that thing at 80. A couple of weeks ago, I told you they'd lose by 100. They did. Um, the, the lines were in the 50s. Then they went to the 80s. That was probably a little too extreme. That line last week probably should have been in the high 60s or 70s. So now they readjust down to 41 and a half. Now, Richmond has not been as good, but they're uh, they're they're at least able to score points, and West Coast isn't going to stop anybody. So um, I'm going to lay it with the Tigers, 41 and a half. I don't think that's enough points. I think they'll win this game by 65 minimum. And the total, I think, is 173.5. I think that's too low. So we're going to go with the Tigers and over on Sunday morning. All right, that does it for the second round of uh, Better's Last Stand. We'll be back with a third segment with Sammy the Man from Upper St. Clair. We're going to talk about some racing, get his opinions on the Pirates, the All-Star Game, Home Run Derby, all that good stuff. It's Better's Last Stand here on the Pine Room Studios Network. Matt with you. We will be right back. Reminder, Better's Last Stand is for informational and entertainment purposes only. All wagering activities should only be conducted by those 21 years of age or older and within the confines of federal, state, and local law. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, contact 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. You're watching Better's Last Stand. All right, welcome back in. Better's Last Stand. Matt and Sam with you here on a uh, rather warm Wednesday afternoon oh. here. Uh, lots of uh, road crews out. Sam had some issues getting home from, from work. Fortunately, he's able to make it and join us here on time. Sammy, how are we doing today? Matt, you hit the nail on the head. It is hot as hell sure outside is. today. Yeah. But other than that, I'm great. I'm great. Good. You got the Atlanta Braves uh, rocking the best team in baseball today. Uh National yeah. League in the win column last night. Yeah. Mitch Keller gave up a dinger. That's always good on the national stage. Yeah. Yeah, old Mitch. Uh, yeah, typical Pirates performance. But, uh, yeah, good uh, National League and under for people that had that. I was on the right side of that, actually. So it was a pretty good night. Uh, what were your thoughts on the game and uh, the home run derby from uh, Monday? The derby it's lost its luster for me. Yeah. Like when I was a kid, I, I couldn't get enough of it. I was tuned into every swing. You don't see these balls land now. It's just how many can you get off in a row. Right. The Derby's lost its luster for me. But I think it'd be a great if like they let players rob home runs. Yeah. Like they should have all stars out there. Like if you rob the home run, it's like well, minus two. How about or that? Garrett Cole has like two balls that should have been doubles in the first inning that like guys had to make catches against the wall. To, to stop, uh, you know, that could have turned the whole game differently. But, uh, yeah, some some decent defense, actually, in the, in the game. But, yeah, I agree. You see that kid get hit in the face, that little yeah. kid? Like, geez. Yeah. Oh, Brutal. Dangerous. <laughs> yeah, totally dangerous. And then there's those people that say, oh, let them use metal bats in the home run derby. Oh, like, you're God. really going to kill, kill a kid. That will literally yeah. kill fans. Like, yeah. anywhere yeah. in the stadium would be up for grabs for death if that was the yeah. case. But, yeah, geez. That's like be going back to the Roman Coliseum days. You start doing things like that. They'll be they'll be having the, – the hearse will be right outside the, the stadium to take people. Yeah. That'd be, that could be pretty, pretty bad. But, uh, yeah, um, interesting uh, weekend in, – or week – start of the week in baseball. So, we got a few days off, and uh, we'll uh, – Get back into that on uh, on Friday. Uh, all right, so let's uh, get over to racing. Um, man, 
our picks in Atlanta, everything went sideways when none of our guys stayed out. Uh, just, uh, I mean, two weeks in a row we have excitement in the race. I will say that. The rain adds excitement in its own way uh, from Chicago and then in, in Atlanta. Um, give me your thoughts on the race. What would you think? Um, Byron obviously had a good car anyway. He had some bad luck early and then benefited by staying out for the track position. But uh, um, what were your thoughts on the Atlanta race on Sunday evening? Matt, I thought it was an awesome race for the what they were what they had going on. It was awesome. I couldn't believe it, and of course, the rain had to ruin it. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's. Uh, <sighs> That that countdown to when it was gonna come was was actually fun. That was like really that's like it was like putting the the race in like a pressure cooker or something and like seeing how quick it, you know before it exploded. It was like how long are they gonna make it? Because a few more laps and those guys that stayed out would have had to go in, and then it shifts back to our guys who all pitted. But I don't some know. of those lap totals of like uh, you know since you pitted were right. so high right. for some of those drivers. Like by, like Byron led the last 19 laps and that's it yes, yes. like almondinger's in third in a yeah. cup series race that's just unheard of man yeah. it's an upside down uh top 10 that's for sure just not hey. i mean almost look like a talladega but i guess you could say because atlanta's trying to be like that now uh being a super speedway type track but it wasn't because of the racing on the track it was because of some strategy involved as well but uh yeah i agree back to back two weeks in a row of nascar uh and NBC, they got to be feeling pretty good putting these races in prime time, and they've turned out to be pretty good uh, both times. Uh, we'll see what happens this week as we head up to uh, oh, I know to the Crayon three hundred one up in New Hampshire. Uh, what a name! You texted me the other day about that. It's like, geez, you got go it's, bowling at the Glen. You got the Crayon race. I mean, it's just weird to me. It's like not the Crayola Crayon three hundred one, right. just Crayon. Like the pencil 301. Like, what? Yeah, Yeah, the lead pencil 301. Um, Yeah. Um, (laughs) New Hampshire's a track, though. I I don't mind it. It, It's it's decent. I I don't have anything too negative to say about it. Um, Last year, uh, Chris Bell gets the job done. Um, Chase Elliott ran well. Um, Just who are you you looking? Is there anybody that sticks out? Uh, I thought there this was a little bit tough of a race to pick i thought there was a lot of contenders what did you think yeah it was tough i got a lot of people written down but the two that i feel like these are top fives not guaranteed but you know that's what my gut's telling me is brad keselowski and denny hamlin those two names are the two i just kept seeing them the laps led qualified you know where they were throughout the races in the past couple years i like them and then for my like the winner i have a tough time deciding between bell bush and chastain yeah no, I agree with you. I had I had uh, all those guys penciled in on mine. I I, I think Chastain's a great value. I think uh, right. just with with his uh, you know his his team. I mean, he's always going to be strong, and I think his his uh, history at this track has been pretty good. Uh, you know, he's only been I think I think four times, uh, two times with the with the new car. I, I think he's. I definitely think I he's he was the most enticing to me because of his odds. Um, I thought Chris Bell's odds are too short, like plus five dollars, five fifty. Like, yeah, he won last year. He's a contender all the time. I, mean, that's, I just don't want to take a price on a guy at five fifty. Uh, I thought Kyle Busch at ten to one was was interesting as well. But I agree with you, Kozlowski, and he and uh, Busher were both running great last week too. So they they got some confidence going right now. They just had bad luck with the, them deciding to pit, but uh, they they were definitely contenders. I think Kozlowski at twenty to one is worth a shot, and I agree. I think a top ten for him. 
uh, is a really, really strong bet. I thought Truex, who's been strong here in the past, uh, who hasn't ever won, but he, he's he been in contention. Logano, again, we say it every week. He's, get, he's starting to get overpriced. Where is he? Where is he? One, but he's got to show up one of these weeks. Like He just can't put it all together. And then my longer shot guy, um, I liked uh, Eric Almarola. He's run pretty well here in the past, 22-1. to 1. Take a shot with him. And then guys that I think would just be stable bets, probably top teners. Chase Elliott, he's, again, mm-hmm. he was running pretty well last week uh, till late. And then uh, Kevin Harvick, both at 12-1. to 1, I think both of those guys will be in contention. Elliott's got to get a win here. What I mean, he's getting down to where he has to win. So you may see some gambles from him that you wouldn't normally see to try to uh, steal one. But is there any chance he or Harvick can win this race? I think Harvick has a better chance than Elliott. Just because, like, you know, Harvick's not the last ride. He's not he's given up, but it's like he's right. got nothing to lose. You know, Elliott, he's here for a long time. I, something about Elliott, it just this year, he's just been weird. That that yeah. little injury <laughs> literally threw a wrench in all of it. His his entire season has just been a disaster. I mean, from one sense to another uh, with the injury and just all. And then he gets suspended, and then it's like... Yeah. Man, you, you're just, uh, I don't know. He's still probably be the most popular driver at the end of the year. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'd like to I see know. a little more consistency out of him. I feel like he was starting to get it together. Uh, Harvick, yeah, he's, I mean, he's probably safely in the playoffs anyway um, just because he's always just so consistent and he'll point his way in there. Um, but, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see him get a win. Um, what about Ryan Blaney? I, he, he started to show some signs of, of, of staying uh, in contention. He's always he's always really in the mix. He just kind of gets forgotten about. I think he, uh, maybe not a winner this week, but I think he could have another strong run. What say you? Yeah, I had him on there with a question mark. The the one win was great, and it, you know, it made me a bigger fan of, like, picking him. Yeah. But just... yeah. I feel like you get the one, and then it's like, all right, here we go again. Forty races, not going to win a race, one, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. How many races is it going to be until we start hearing that when's Blaney won a race again? Right. No. So I'm, I'm iffy. I'm, I'm kind of off on Blaney right now. Yeah, I, I probably will be too, uh, as far as winning until the the playoffs come, um, and, I, and I think maybe he gets re inspired. Um, Daniel Suarez uh, starting to show maybe some signs of improvement. His beginning season was awful. Um, he's ran decently here at New Hampshire in the past. Um, could you, could you expect a decent run out of out of him again this week? I would say yes, and here is why. I'm looking at the standings right now. Daniel Suarez is 15th in the playoff standings at 407 points. Michael McDowell is tied at 16 with 407, and then 17th is Bubba Wallace at 404. So it is a tight little race here at the bottom. Yes. Like, honestly, it's Keselowski, Busher, Suarez, McDowell. Those are the bottom four. And really, Suarez and McDowell are going to be fighting for the last two spots. Yeah. No, I agree with so that. So he needs, he needs to run well. Yeah. Um, yeah, extra motivation for those teams to, uh, to to put together some point finishes to uh, try to win some stage points that, they, that they're going to need. Um, Bubba Wallace ran well here last year, finished third. Uh, so, yeah. So, you got some guys who are on the cusp, like you just mentioned. Bubba, uh, Kozlowski, Suarez, uh, McDowell, not so much. He has not really run well here. And then you got Elliott, obviously, who needs the win. Uh, yeah, so you got a lot of, lot of uh, storylines in play as we head to New Hampshire. Um, any any other dark horse candidates? And there wasn't – I mean, or, let me ask you this question. I, have we come to the point where – me and you have to change our thinking that Joey Logano might not be the best driver, that William Byron might actually just be the best driver right now. Yeah. 
Honestly, it was because Logano was coming out of the season hot. Yeah, he was. And then all of a sudden, there's nothing. There's no life. There's yep. nothing to him. And Byron is just every week. The Hendrick cars, honestly, every week it seems like there's one of them. Yeah, that's just they just find a way, man. Yeah, Rick Hendrick finds a way. And we haven't even mentioned Kyle Larson. Um, these the last tracks aren't necessarily his strong suits, but there's no reason no. why he couldn't run well in New Hampshire. Um. You know, he's not much of a super speedway guy. That's why I say, like, maybe William Byron, just a little bit of a nod over him because he can do it at all the tracks uh, versus Larson. Larson's probably the best there is on some of the shorter tracks in the road course type type tracks. But, um, yeah, what, what, a, what a problem to have in Hendrick. You got Elliott, your your main ace, having a bad year. You got Bowman, who was hurt a lot, who had did start the year off very good and then there got hurt and then hasn't come back up to speed, although I thought he would run a little better last week. He had some bad luck. But then you got two guys who are serious championship contenders. If you were to put odds on the championship right now, you know, those two guys are right there, Larson and Byron. So um, a lot a lot to uh, unpack as we as we move forward. And it's amazing that we're getting to the point where we're going to be starting to talk about playoffs in this. Uh, it seems like we just talked about Daytona, and now we're uh, I know. getting down to where these, these teams have to start to gamble and uh, make some headway, or they're going to be uh, you know on the outside looking in. So should be should be very exciting. Uh, any any last thoughts on the Crayon 301 before we switch over to Open Wheel? Uh, Matt, it's my first ever Crayon 301, and <laughs> I am looking forward to it. Yes. All right. We'll try to draw the people a nice, colorful picture. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll go get a, I'll go get a pack on Friday. We're going to draw color the cars green for the, all the money that we're going to win. So, uh, <laughs> all right. Let's jump over to, uh, let's recap a little bit about, uh, Formula One. They're off this week. Um, we go, uh, to the, the uh, Hungarian Grand Prix next weekend. Uh, British Grand Prix was last week. Uh, Max Verstappen just dominates the race again. Uh, Lando Norris, though. He's been a Lando Norris sighting. He's alive. He leads four laps, finishes second. Uh, Oscar Piastri in the top four. I like, know. I was like, whoa. Like, if you, if you could have got, got odds on that, uh, that would have been a hell of a payout. If you could have had him to finish in the top six, that would have been a nice price because he hasn't even sniffed. Uh, basically a points finish the whole season. Uh, nope. <laughs> thoughts on the race overall? Obviously, Red Bull too good, but uh, is McLaren here to stay? Do they make some some strides? Matt, they were awesome. Like, McLaren, honestly, was awesome. They were better than everybody. You, I mean, they were better than Red Bull, but Red right. Bull is better than McLaren, so it's just, you sure. know, they don't really have a, a shot. But it was everything that we've talked about that Zach Brown's talked about for all, whenever he goes to the media, he's always talking about McLaren and this talent and all this. It was a thing of beauty. Finally showed up. Oh, we we did allude last week that we thought Lando, you know, the British guys would run well, and he he definitely did. But he needed the car under him, and it finally showed up. Do you think that they figured something out, or was it just the track suited them, or because, uh, or do we expect a drop off in a couple of weeks? I I regretfully like I expect a drop off. Yeah. But like I, Piastri is my favorite. I I put him in my bottom feeders. He's a bottom feeder driver. Him and Ricardo are my bottom feeders that I love right now. Yeah. I couldn't believe Matt. He only lost one position. Right. Yeah. No. I know. It's it's hard to to believe. Uh, he he held up well. And uh, speaking of Daniel Ricardo, he takes over for Nick DeVries. Uh Thoughts on that change? I love it. Yeah. Smart. I man. absolutely love it. It is a smart move and. Who who else were they going to replace him with? Another F two driver, F yeah. whatever. I I saw the name. I don't even know the kid's name. He kind of looked like uh, Drago, <laughs> like from Rocky. Yeah, 
but uh, Russian or from somewhere. He looked he yeah. looked Russian. <laughs> but uh, I think it's great. What other option do they have? That team stinks. I yeah. That rebrand next year is going to help them, but hopefully they can just get a a couple top ten. So where do we see Nick DeVries now? Is he going to be begging on the side With, of the road, or is he? Is his career done, and I'm assuming F1, it's all over. But then again, did he have really a chance with that team anyway? Probably not. No. I think he'll be racing with Antonio Giovinazzi, you know, probably yeah, winning yeah. titles. And- yeah, 24 hours, Le Mans. Uh, yeah, well, um, any other thought? Lewis Hamilton, George Russell, um, solid runs. Fernando Alonso, not his best, but, um, I, you know, he still had a pretty solid year. He's been, I think he's been in the points almost every race this year, so... Um, Observations on Mercedes? Or are they going to get surpassed now by McLaren? Or does I that, hope. Yeah, I hope so. I and I think that I'm I'm sick of Lewis Hamilton. I'm not sure what it is about him. Yeah, it's kind of run his course. Um, I agree just with that. Get sick of him. And uh, I think Lance Stroll absolutely stinks. Yeah, he's bad. It's the luckiest driver. You thought Nick DeVries was lucky. Lance Stroll is lucky that his dad owns <laughs> Aston Martin. Yeah, no, he is. <laughs> you know? He's pretty bad. He 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 really underachieves. I mean, you you see the difference in 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 him versus uh, Fernando Alonso in the same car. I mean, it's it's definitely a noticeable difference of a drop off of, of driver talent. Um, and then let's talk about another disappointing team, Ferrari. They, <sighs> they they need a complete overhaul. They're they're probably if you put, I'd love to see like if they they should do this like as an exhibition event. They should let Verstappen drive a Ferrari. And, and see what he does with it or whatever, like switch drivers out. Because I think that their cars are probably a little better than what these guys are making them be as far as finishing results. Yeah, they're definitely the most disappointing team. I mean, they are... Again. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Last year, they were... Last year, they ran well, but they had, like, technical issues. Right, because they were, like, this contenders. Year they now have issues. Yeah, they have issues, and they can't even contend. Yeah, I think signs... <sighs> I don't want to say he's got to go, but I definitely think he's the weak link out of those two. Yeah. I think a guy has some talent, but he seems maybe he got a maturity issue. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, trouble at Ferrari. Uh, when you got Williams finishing ahead of both your cars, uh, that's probably a sound the alarms. It, and it wasn't like you DNF'd either. <laughs> like that's, yeah, you just – You were actually yeah. running, and they were beating you. So, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, some some tough times, some tough choices for a few of these teams. Uh but McLaren maybe has it ironed out to the point where uh, they they have some some positivity going into the rest of the season, and we could see some some good strides taken by them. But uh, once again, Red Bulls uh, everything to lose <laughs> as usual. I'd love to point out also, Matt, the double Alpine exit. You gotta love oh, when both yeah. those cars have reliability issues and they can't finish a race. <laughs> yeah, that's a great price, people. If you want to hunt for that one, oh my, yeah, Pierre yeah. and uh, Esteban. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rough one. Uh, yeah, so uh, your boy Ocon just whew, uh, trouble. He's or, like, he, Somebody didn't he, have a hose <laughs> tighten. <laughs> like, what are you doing, man? Seriously, you got ninety-five mechanics and somebody missed that. Uh, oh well. But uh, F one off this week. We'll be in uh, Hungary next time, so we'll talk more about that next week on BLS. All right, and then let's uh, conclude our racing segment with. Uh, some some uh, IndyCar. The IndyCars were off. Uh, last week, we got uh, Alex Pelot going for four in a row in like a chokehold on the championship as they head to Toronto. Scott Dixon, defending champion here. Um, 
does Pelot just keep winning? Do we see any any uh, chinks in the armor of him and the, the Chip Ganassi team? I kind of hope he doesn't keep winning because I love the competitiveness of IndyCar, but it actually is pretty awesome what he's doing. It's a lot different than a Max Verstappen domination because they're they're still close. There's still a chance, right? If he screws up or something, that he you know somebody else could come and take the lead. But man, he has been pretty pretty awesome this year. Yeah, he has been. I I, I didn't expect this. I, I mean, we talked the beginning of the year and and, and even uh, you know we, we talked extensively. Uh, about Indy and, and Indy 500 and, and just uh, there's so many drivers that could could win week in and week out. For him to be able to rattle off like, like several in a row and like four out of five, like that's pretty impressive. That says a lot about him and his team. Obviously, he's got a great team, but uh, he, he's actually digging in and getting the job done. A lot of times you have a car that can win, but you need luck. You need all kinds of things to go right. So uh, full credit to him. Um, as we head into Toronto, he was uh, sixth here last year. Um, as I said, Dixon won. Colton Herta was in the top three. Rosenquist, Ray Hall, Erickson, the top five. Uh, who are you looking at here this week? I have, I have, oh, I got Dixon. Dixon is in there. Yep. Rosen- and I have Scott McLaughlin in there as well. Okay. I think he's, he's been coming on stronger these last couple races. He was fifth last week. And, and Matt, I, I have a question mark next to this guy's name, and I got to get an opinion. Okay. On Bobby Ray Hall, the Ray Hall team. What are we feeling this week for? Well, I mean, Graham was fourth last year in this race. I mean, he led six laps. Uh, I mean, it, that, there's been a lot of it's like between him and Herda, and like they're they're. I don't know. It's like these guys are just living off their dad's name still or something. It's I, I know, but like last week, Ray Hall had that great run yes, and he fucked the pit stop up. Where so it it's come like, from? All right. Yeah. No. Where does I, it I come think, from? I think you carry momentum into this race from there. I, I I like him. I would I would definitely be looking at him for a top five if I can find that price somewhere. Uh, definitely. Um, Renus VK led eighteen laps here last year. Uh, any thoughts on him? He just can't. He can't put it together. I don't think he can. <sighs> Probably win, but maybe a top ten if he's lucky. Um, I know. I thought about it. Yeah, thought well, about it. How about Pagano or New Garden Award? Any any of those guys excite you, Erickson? Award excites me out of all of them. It just seems like he never gets it done. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, he always seems like he has a car that's loaded, and like he he's like, all right, you're waiting for him to make a move, and it just never happens. Uh, obviously, in Indy, he tried and it didn't work out very good for him I know. but um Felix Rosenquist uh you know he he ran well here last year I I, I may lean towards him but I, I like your pick of Ray Hall for for at least the top 5 um I think he's he I mean think about this once you get some momentum going some confidence if your car equipment can hold up um you know these guys these guys are a very deep colony of drivers so you could see some Serious, uh, you know, keep, keep the ball rolling type stuff with him. So I, I think any any uh, any long shots interest you? Anybody that's under the radar, maybe sneak into the top ten. I looked at like I can't. I, this guy's making me sick. Like Roman Grosjean. Yeah. yeah and every time I'm I'm on his bandwagon, he just fucks up. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to pick him too. I'd like to think like his his overall driving experience would help him sometime, but it's like. Yeah, you're right. There's always some kind of blunder or some mistake that he makes that um, that, that you can't get over. Um, I, 
I I don't know. I, I I like Dixon, but man, Dixon he he's maybe he's getting close to being done too. I mean, I I know. Sadly, I mean he's he's had a great career, but I mean he's he he went from kind of dominating some a race here and there to you know he's he's still good, but uh, can we see a big performance out of him to the point where he can he can outdo Pelot? I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. The Iceman's being weird this year. Yeah. There's just something's not right. I agree. With you know, that. He typically he's got a he's typically he's got a win by now. Yes. Nothing. Yes. Yeah. Nothing. Absolutely yeah. nothing. Hasn't even sniffed it really. But um, no. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, should be should be a pretty competitive race. I mean, you had uh, you had five or six different leaders last year, so I'd expect uh, a, a pretty good um, battle up front. Um, just yeah. Only four cautions too, so a lot of a lot of uh, steady race time, and uh, we'll see. I don't, I don't, I don't know. What do you do? You like this track? I'm not super wild about. it. I think it's okay. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of it. It seems like every time they race in Canada, it sucks. Yeah, sadly, I'm not a big fan. It it is. It does suck. Yeah, because I mean, like Montreal and stuff. Like in F, like I I like. I mean, I I would like those to be better races, but yeah doesn't ever seem to turn out like that but we shall see uh any any closing thoughts on any of the racing circuits or anything else sports wise what's on your radar this week other than racing matt what's on my radar is since baseball's second half of the season is getting started where are you thinking al nl mvp odds who are you liking not liking well to me al is as simple as uh if otani stays he's getting it uh if he goes then, Adley. Then, it's, Adley. then he's in the mix. Rushman's in the mix. No. You called that like months ago. He's in the mix if that happens, especially if they if they keep playing the way that they have been. Uh, there's no reason to see that they won't. Uh, they may be a little bit of a buyer at the trade deadline too, and the Rays are starting to show that they're a little dressed up, uh, good at home. I mean, even they're losing some home games here leading into the break. They could be a little vulnerable. The Orioles play them here in a series uh, early coming back out of the break down at down in Tampa. So a four-game set, which is going to be huge. If Rushman can do some damage there and Otani gets traded, I, I I do. I think that's a live ticket. Uh, NL-wise, to me, it's it's Ron Acuna is probably going to have it locked up if he doesn't get hurt just because they're yeah. they're going to be the best team in baseball right now, and they're, they're just they're pulling away from everybody in that division. So I think it'll be hard, hard to catch him. But uh, I'm trying to think of another guy. I mean, maybe somebody from the Dodgers. I, I mean, you can make a case, I guess, for Betts or Freeman. But um, they would have to have a really, really big second half of the season to uh, track down uh, Ronald Acuna, um, at least what I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if he gets anywhere between 70 and 80 stolen bases. Yeah, yeah. It's a wrap. Exactly. Um, Total wrap. Let me ask you this. Out of the teams who have underachieved heading into the uh, all-star break, most notably the Padres and the Mets and the Cardinals. Um, do you see any of those teams? And uh, if so, which one do you think is most likely to stabilize to the point where they can make the playoffs? I hate to say this. I want to say the Cardinals. <laughs> Just because the division is I- gettable. Yes, and it won't even they could be playing okay baseball. And then like the two the Cubs and Pirates, all they need to do is play bad baseball or like right. the typical baseball they play. Yeah. And they're going to the Cardinals are going to be fine. Yeah, 
No, I, 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 I mean, they're definitely in the mix because of that division. Um, it depends on what the Reds keep doing, if they can keep it up. I don't have any faith in Milwaukee. Cubs are just probably not ready yet, and the Pirates, I just don't see any way they're going to contend. Uh, I thought maybe the Padres, just because their starting pitching is starting to, to kind of come together, and their bullpen's good. But their lineup is disappointed so badly, um, I don't know if they overcome it. If they get going, I think they could. They're only eight out. They could maybe maybe sneak in. That's a tough division. The, the NL West is good. They got four teams that are in Tight. playoff contention. So uh, I think that, and I, I have no faith in the Mets. Like I think they're broken and they're done. I just don't I, see a way out. I couldn't agree with you more, Matt. It's a very very bad sign when your owner is doing midseason press conferences. <laughs> right, that right. is bad. Yeah, when no. he calls them, that's bad. No, it is bad. And, and, and unless. Verlander and Scherzer find the fountain of youth like five, six years ago, I think they're done. I just don't see a way out for them. They would have to make a ton of trades to get their roster good enough to be able to contend, and they'd have to give up stuff, and their payroll's already big enough. And um, I don't know. I, they, them or the Yankees, neither one of them scare me. I, I would feel very confident in saying neither one of those teams would even sniff winning a playoff series or the World Series uh, if the Mets are even fortunate to get in. But I, they don't scare me. The Yankees just don't hit. Sean Casey, though, your your neighbor, the governor of St. Clair, the mayor, is going to try to resurrect the Yankee lineup without Aaron Judge. Good luck to him. Good luck, man. He's he's way too high energy for the New York Yankees. I love him. He's he's hilarious. He's I a great love interview. Too. He's really really entertaining guy. Um, yeah, I don't think it changes much. Do you? No. Not in the slightest. No offense to Sean Casey, but I think the Yankees. It won't be are his fault. The Yankees. I mean, he's a three hundred no. career hitter. It's not like it's he just forgot how to hit. It's these idiots. It's too stubborn, and they don't want to. You know, how's he going to take teach Stanton how to hit the opposite field? <laughs> like, oh yeah, God. All Stanton does is dingers. Exactly. That's all he's there for. That's and honestly, he's only there because he's so much. Yeah. No, I know, and he can't really move him. All right, and then let's wrap up with. Uh, we talked about it, messaged each other on Sunday night. The Pirates actually make a good pick in the draft. That has to make you feel good. Um, you know, if they weren't going to take Cruz, I know our cousin Jarrett's pissed about that still. But I know. I, I, I think Skeens was a good pick. I think it was probably the right pick. And uh, I got to applaud the Pirates for doing the right thing for once. And um, what, what are your thoughts? And is next year the year? And do you think that they should move some of these guys out of here right now and just be all in for the next two years? I, hmm. all right. So I've heard, you know, on the radio, they say he's going to de- debut this year at the end of the year. You know, he's going to come up in June next year. I think next year, if he's not here by June, th- that's a mistake. A problem, yeah. A, to- a total mistake. Everybody that should, you know, they've been talking about for, it seems like three years, they've got to be in spring training and fighting for roster spots leading into the 2024 regular season. I agree. Have to. You have to try to contend from the first pitch of the first game of the season. He should start. Honestly, Paul yeah. Skeen should be the starter. Yeah. No, I I, I thought Sorry, uh, Mitch. Madden made an interesting point on on his show today about about having uh, Keller start the opening day at home and then and then Skeen's game two, so nothing can guarantee two sellouts in a row. So you know that yeah. greedy fuck, he'll probably do that. But uh no, I'm with you. I, I I think the Pirates really, and I know it would be an unpopular opinion, but if, if there's teams that are interested in these some of these pieces that they have, they should move them this year and, and try to get, and I'm not saying trade for like future considerations, but if a team's willing to part 
with a player that maybe they have some depth at that position and a veteran of some kind, and and then they want your uh, relief pitcher, uh, Bednar, whoever. Get it, get back a piece that you can use or cut salary so you can go out and get somebody. Not that you have a ton of salary to cut because you don't spend that much, but <laughs> I, I think they should decide. I mean, they got to Santana, Rich Hill, like they got to go. Just get those guys out. They're not going to help you next year. So they've done what they can this year. Move them. If someone wants to give you a, a bunch for Sawinski to hit a few home runs in the playoffs for somebody, I'd say get rid of him too. I. What do you think? I mean, who who's untouchable on the team other than some of the very top prospects? Everybody's touchable. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Every, everybody. Everybody has got Brian Reynolds is touchable. I Keller know. is touchable. Bednar is touchable. <laughs> Key Brian Hayes, he can't be touchable. touchable. <laughs> well, he can't be touched. Yeah, yeah he's in bubble he's so wrap. Fried, but, yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody's touchable. That's the thing is we don't have one player except maybe Paul Skeens. It's just like, yeah, no, nothing that you offer us will be of equal value in return. Right. We don't have a good enough player. Probably when I guess when Cruz comes back, maybe him. But I mean, who knows? I mean, he might he might not be the same him same self when he when he gets back from injury. But no, I'm with you. I, I think they, they they need to. If Nutty's coming out and saying he expects him to contend next year and be a you know, a deep playoff contender of the year after that, then he, that's probably a good sign that he said that because maybe that means he'll sign some people. But I was looking through some of the free agents and I, there's a lot of old guys on there for the next year that they'll probably take and uh, they'll probably underwhelm us as usual. But they, if they can move pieces right now and, and, and help teams who want to win now to, to give them more than they should, they, they need to do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's they say 2024, 2025. All right, yeah. well, that's next that's year. That's right. literally, that's it, man. That's what everyone's be, been waiting for. Their entire focus should be getting their team ready for 24 right now. Everything. So everything they do with Skeens, they bring him up this year. Whatever they do to get him some experience should be based on what we're going to do in 24. That, that That's how they have to approach it. But I don't right. know. I'm, I'm hopeful, but I, I, I'm not confident that they will do that. Well, they'll probably have Paul Skeens at fucking shortstop or something, you know. <laughs> yeah, so stupid. right. Well, Henry Davis is going to shift him to the. Where are they going to play him next year? First base, like I don't, yeah, probably. God, um, they, so he's not injury prone. And then they probably should play. So, do you think Nick Gonzalez will probably end up being the second baseman? I would assume going forward. Yeah, so I would think so. Just play him at second base now for the rest of this year. Just get him used to it. Just that's his position yeah. now. Like quit Matt, it makes it's, it makes too much sense. Yeah, you right. put him at second. Davis should catch right. because he's a catcher. Yes. Uh, <sighs> Jesus yeah, Christ. head scratchers. But anyway, they made a good pick, so we can't be too pissed. We'll just see how bad they fuck it up going forward. But uh, yeah. Anyway, Sam, <laughs> uh, great positive. talking to you as always. Thanks for joining us. We'll uh, talk to you uh, over the weekend and uh, be back with you here on the show next week. Yes, sir. It was great talking to you, Matt. Go Bucks. All right. That's Sammy P from Upper St. Clair. His uh, his mayor, Sean Casey, now the Yankees hitting coach uh, as they pull out all the stops to try to help themselves make the playoffs. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Better's Last Stand. Uh, thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any questions, comments, observations, get a hold of us on the Pine Room uh, Frio and Stack Watchdog Hotline, 304-214-1600. You can call during our show hours. If you have any thoughts, comments about any of our shows, 
Spreader's Last Stand, the podcast, uh, the radio show, soup and stuff, anything that we do here in the Pie Room Studios, we would love to hear from you. Uh, until next week, uh, it's Matt signing off. Hopefully I'll have some company here, but uh, appreciate Sam checking in with us as always. Uh, have a great weekend. Uh, enjoy your uh, your summer, and uh, hopefully we have some winners for you, and be sure and follow us on social media so we can keep the winners rolling as we head towards football season. It won't be long now. Uh, have a great rest of your week, and we will see you next week on Better's Last Stand. <laughs>